Hello, friends. Welcome to the Best Speech Podcast. I am your host, Mike Pacquion. That's right. If this is your first time here, that's how you say the last name, Pacquion. Yeah, everybody gets it wrong. Siri thinks it's pronounced Pacner. Look at how that name is spelled. Where is Pacner coming from? I know, I know. Hey, on the uh, on the show this week, I'm really excited. This is I'm interviewing my buddy Steve Cam. As a friend, Steve is pretty great. We, I guess, our our biggest triumph is we went to the 2013 World Series together when the Red Sox won. We were there in person, paid a bunch of money. Steve wrote about it on his blog. Steve blogs and writes and inspires a whole rebellion over at Nerd Fitness. So Steve is a nerd. He's known this for a long time. What's interesting about Steve is there are a lot of things interesting about Steve, but relevant to this program, nerds are often pretty anxious and Steve is pretty anxious. And yet Steve has presented at some of the biggest companies, some of the most prestigious events in the world. He's presented at Google, Google Europe, Facebook, TEDx Emory, Vanderbilt, radio stations across the country. He's been, he's been on Fox Business. He was at the World Domination Summit some years back. I helped him with a talk at Lead Pages. I mean, Steve has done it all. In this episode, we talk about someone who gets really anxious. What does he do? How has he learned to overcome that? So I think you're going to love this episode. Steve is a hoot anyway, but uh, you'll particularly love if you're someone who has had any anxiety in your life as it relates to speaking. This is, this is a good interview to listen to. One other thing before I stop this part. Yours truly, again, Mike Pacquion, I'm presenting at, at Show It's Spark Conference this year. So Spark is a fantastic conference. It's specifically for people who want to build a creative business. So you'll hear wisdom from the pros, people like me, Jasmine Starr, Clay Bear, Natalie Frank. It's a really, really good thing. And if you get on it right now, you can use promo code last chance to save $175. So promo code last chance. All right, that's all. Let's check out this interview with my good friend, Steve Cam. Friends, we're here with Steve Cam. I don't want to say he's one of a kind, but there aren't that many Steve Cams. <laughs> Actually, there are three. Believe it what? or not. I have an uncle, Steve Cam, and his son is Steve Cam, but they're not. I think he, they're both like merchant marines. <laughs> and not on the internet. So I got to Steve Cam. I got like to the Steve Cam handle on all platforms before they did. <laughs> what is what is for everybody who doesn't know? What does Steve Cam do? What would you say you do here, Steve? Ah, uh, what would you say you do here? Um, I help nerds level up their life by getting stronger, making better decisions around the food that they eat, and essentially turning them into real life superheroes. It's it's some of the smartest branding. People immediately know what you do for a job. I mean, it's called nerd fitness. People immediately know what you do for a job. And I think because of that, well, and because like you've done good things with the company, you do get asked to speak a fair bit. Correct me yes. if I'm wrong. You don't actually enjoy speaking. Uh, no, I, I want to throw up <laughs> every time I get on any stage. Uh, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about this, but it's really interesting. I, for, for many years, you know, I, I often, when I do get asked to speak, it's usually about, about building the business of nerd fitness or building a community, you know, nerd fitness is now a team of 40 plus people. And 
the community is worldwide. So I, I'm invited to speak at conferences. And uh, for many years, I said yes to anything that came out. And then I would get really nervous and want to throw up and spend weeks freaking out and then call you. <laughs> and then uh, we'd talk about it and you'd talk me down. And then we would uh, get kind of get my act together. And then I would get really nervous and want to throw up right up until the second I step on stage. And about 20 seconds later, I'm pretty much fine and can deliver what I think is a pretty good talk. Uh, but every single time it's like I'm on the verge of throwing up. I don't eat beforehand. I'm a nervous wreck for weeks. And then I step on stage and uh, deliver, deliver talks for some reason. I forget what event this was, but <laughs> Why? I always offer to people, I always offer to people, hey, like day of, text me about anything. You can text me from backstage. There are only two people who have ever taken me up on that, one of whom was Steve Kim. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> no, I don't. I blacked out. I don't remember. Uh, oh, I anything. remember. You so told me. What did, what did I text you? you? Okay, so you were the second speaker. So that puts you at what? Like maybe the 9.30 or 10 a.m. slot? You're like, sounds right. I've done my 10,000 steps already from pacing. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. I think I was in, oh, where was I? I was in Minnesota, I think, speaking at uh, a, a conference. And yeah, probably like stayed up way too late practicing and then woke up really wired and then, yeah, just paced back and forth in my uh, my hotel room. <laughs> That's really funny. I forgot about that. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the PTSD. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Steve, you get anxiety with this. Uh, you're the third person I've had on the show specifically to talk about anxiety. Two of them from Massachusetts, interestingly enough. I think it's probably not a coincidence, actually. We can, we can blame the Red Sox for that. What, so how do you, in all seriousness, how do you deal with... No, actually, let me rewind. What do you, so you're super nervous. Oh my gosh, I'm going to puke. Da, 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 da. What is going through your head right before you get on stage? Uh, I mean, it's, like, it's, a, it's a clash of uh, emotions, right? So in, in my head, it's like... And, and and I've been working on reframing this a lot, and I will, we can talk about this. But I just was on stage four days in a row uh, two weeks ago, and this most recent time being on stage, the reframing has been successful. But at the time, or like let's say prior to those four days, every other time I'm going on stage, I'm like going through the talk in my head, thinking of the jokes that I don't want to miss out on and that I don't want to forget. Mm. Um, I'm like terrified. And I, I'm sure there's like, if if I sat down with a therapist and talked about it, it's like, you could put me on stage in front of a Super Bowl, a, a Super Bowl's worth of people and I have to do a Q&A or like improv, no problem. <laughs> it's when it's like a specifically prepared talk where I have like lines to remember or jokes that like I don't want to miss out on or there's like slides and there's certain things I don't want to forget. I'm so afraid of screwing up yeah. or like forgetting my line. And maybe it goes back to like, you know, third grade or something. And I flubbed a line in like a <laughs> school play. Uh, I don't know. I have to think about that. But I'm so like, I sound like I'm over and over and over just like going through the presentation again and again and again, when the reality is like, I've already done it in my head, I've already practiced it a whole bunch. And like, that's what I kind of calm myself down with. Like, look, you're going to get on stage. You've done this before. Um, or like you've been on stage before and it works out. You can pivot pretty quickly. People are generally nice and you have an interesting message to share. So like focus on that, take some deep breaths and like 
it's going to be okay. Like yeah. that's what I consist consistently have to tell mm. myself. Like it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. You have something to share. That's why you're here. They invited you to do this because they want to hear what you have to say. Like, oh yeah, I could probably like focus on that. And that kind of helps dispel some of the nervous <laughs> energy. Some of it. So, cause you were just, you just had camp nerd fitness, which is however many nerds from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, we had 300, 300 nerds from uh, probably 15, 15 countries. Um, so, you know, mostly from the United States, but people from as far as away as Australia and, uh, you know, Europe, some people I think even came from Asia a few times ago, but my, my team who, uh, is response says like, we think it would be really helpful if you did an opening ceremonies, a closing ceremonies, and then you spoke every morning to like set the tone for the day. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's five prepared speeches. And I haven't been speaking during the pandemic. No problem. Let's just do five of them in a row and uh, and it'll just be fine. And yes, I was a nervous wreck the entire time. Is there any part of you that's just saying, hey, everybody here is a nerd. They probably hate speaking. They'll get it. They're here for Steve. Or is that just that pep talks out the window? It is. I mean, I've I listened to, I think it was a podcast between Sam Harris and Ricky Gervais and both of them were talking about when they go on stage, how they don't really have stage fright anymore. And Sam Harris talked about how he used to have stage fright, but then he just reframed it as like, I have a really important message to share and people have paid to come hear that message. This feeling I have in my stomach is excitement that I get to deliver this idea. And that's kind of the reframe that I've had. Like not everybody reads blog posts. Like I love to write yeah. or not everybody is a visual, but they're an audio person. And so reframing of like, like you said, uh, these people are here not only to hear me, they're here to be a part of the nerd fitness community, but I happen to be the guy that comes up with the ideas to share. So like, it was funny that I think the second day of camp was all about courage. So, I, you know, the, my talk was like, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you're terrified of public speaking and your company wants you to get on stage in front of nerds every day. And like, everybody laughs and like a friendly reminder, like, Hey, like we're all kind of awkward. And we're all trying our best. And I don't appreciate or covet the spotlight, but I do like having the light shined on my ideas that I do think are worth spreading. So like I try to keep the focus on the idea and how it can help people and like use that as like, okay, this nervous energy I'm feeling, it's excitement because I do have something interesting to say and I'm going to deliver it in a way that only I can deliver it that is going to be I think like that's the unique superpower that I'm bringing to the table. So like yeah. focus on that and doing so helps kind of talk me down a little bit to say like, Hey, get on stage. You've done this before. You know, these lines, like it's, you're sharing something worth sharing to a group of people that are here to hear that exact message. Well, and one of the things you said there, that's really smart is that you're the only one who can deliver it. I don't know if you said that exactly, but you're the one who can give this talk and you have something interesting to say. I think one of the places where people go awry is feeling like there's a perfect version out there that they have to find versus it being, this is what Steve would say. Yeah. Right. Not, not trying to be somebody else. There's that, that hilarious episode of the office where Michael Scott is like doing Chris rocks comedy spe <laughs> special. And like, it goes surprisingly, it goes horribly, horribly wrong. And it's like, that's Chris Rock and Chris Rock doing Chris Rock's speech. Like, I'm not trying to be somebody else with my talks. Like, I'm trying to be 
me. And like me is like a little goofy, awkward, kind of like self-deprecating and like the odd like, I, you know, I don't know if I'm the guy to deliver this. Um, but like, I might as well, because I came up with the idea and I want, I wanted to help people. You know, I have, I have Captain America's shield on my wall behind me, like kind of like what Captain America would do. Like he doesn't want the spotlight. He doesn't want to, uh, he doesn't want to be the guy, but he is the guy and he's going to do it the best that he can in the way that fits who Steve Rogers, Captain America is. So like trying to like, who am I? what is that message and how, how can I deliver it in the way that is true to me? And like, that's going to go over so much better than me trying to be somebody else. I love that. I don't know if I'm the one to deliver this, but I may as well. <laughs> like, <that's... laughs> right. Like, like there's probably somebody that could deliver this maybe better than I can, but they're not going to do it with as much because I've been ruminating on these ideas that I'm sharing for yeah. a decade or 15 years or whatever it may be. Like I can just deliver it in a way that is truthful and honest and with the, the intent behind it. And I'm hopeful that that comes through in my personality and I'm fairly animated so that like people can sense that and feel it. And they come up to me after the talk. They're like, man, I can't tell that you're nervous. Like you just seem like you're having, you're really comfortable up there. I'm like, thank you. That's an, it's part of it's an act. The other part of it is like, I'm, I've done this enough, I guess, to realize that like delivering a message that I'm confident in, it, it comes across endearing and, um, honest and truthful. And I think like that makes it a lot easier for me to, to do so confidently, even when I'm still full of butterflies on the inside. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. So your TEDx talk was a while ago. I don't know what year off the top of my head. It was a while ago. 2012, 12, 10 years ago. Oh. 10, year, 10 year anniversary. I love wow. the little details you have in there about playing EverQuest so much that the game blew up. I don't know when the last time you... That's the best detail. I don't know when the last time I forgot time... about that. Oh man, dude, I'm getting so many memories. Like you're you're bringing all these things back to me. I'm like, I should talk. We, I mean, we we text back and forth a lot, but we should talk more because it's such a great trip down memory lane here. What? Um, I don't know when the last time you watched that talk was, but what about that talk? Like, what do you remember? And is there anything looking back ten years later? Like, oh, I should have done that differently, or I should have said this. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, step one is probably not wear a striped shirt. Uh, I think, I think the, uh, the camera, uh, was of a low enough quality that the stripes kind of blend together and it looks, it looks weird. So, um, I also don't think the shirt was tailored. Like it was like, it was like a pretty baggy, baggy striped shirt. Uh, in my defense, I was at the time literally living in Ecuador and, uh, got invited to speak at TEDx Emory in Atlanta. And uh, I flew up from Ecuador. I had to like take like a six hour bus ride to a different part of Ecuador and then a, and then a red eye. And I was in Atlanta for maybe 36 hours. And like, oh. I, 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 I didn't know you yet. So yeah. we had it. We hadn't interacted. Um, I moved to Portland after Ecuador. And that's when you and I finally got a chance yeah. to meet. Um, but I, I think I was still like working on the slides crashing on a friend's couch the night before and like furiously putting this thing to, maybe like, I don't even, I don't even know if I slept one because I was so nervous but two I was still like working on the slide so all I remember personally was like I put myself in such a tough position like I had no sleep I was in a foreign country and had to fly up for a whirlwind trip um I was still working on the slides I didn't have anybody to bounce it off of I think like my friend's dogs 
were at the house and he was at work. So I was literally like practicing the talk to his dogs <laughs> because there was nobody else that I could present to. So I'm like, I, I'm, you know, this is a decade ago. One of the, I didn't get a, a invited to speak a lot. So it was like one of my first talks, I'm doing it last second. I'm wearing clothes that don't fit. I'm sleep deprived. I'm coming up with it last second and like changing things. And like, fortunately, like I didn't like rearrange the slides accidentally. I filled it with stories that were fun to share um, and managed to keep it relatively succinct. So like, as far as like, I give myself a lot of credit for all of the things I did incorrectly behind the scenes up until that point. And then like, Hey, knowing all of this, I'm going to give myself a little leeway and say like, it wasn't like, it was enjoyable. I'm glad I did it. Uh, I probably would have done things a little differently now, now that I know what I know. I mean, it's still an enjoyable, it, it looks outdated, just the dimensions on the video and the video is not great. So right. That's not the best, but it, it's still, I still think it's a pretty good rewatch and, a good philosophy on life. Y'all, Steve is very, take every opportunity that comes to you. I mean, that's why that, I say yes to these talks. Yeah. <laughs> Not all talks. I, I, we can talk about that, but I, uh, for, for I, I said yes to a lot of talks and then I had to take a few years where I said no to talks because I had to like reorganize my life almost. And uh, camp was this first time I've got back on stage. And now it's got me thinking like, you know what? If the if the topic is right and the audience like, I think that could be something that I could see myself doing a lot more of compared to what I was doing in the past when I gave talks. So when the when the speech is over, people are thanking you. At that point, are you like, yes, that was awesome, or is it more, oh, thank God that's over? Uh, I would say it's like eighty percent. That was awesome. Like mm -hmm. I'm I'm hyped. I mean, a, a, assuming it went well, I, I haven't had any issues where you know, I haven't had any speeches where I'm like, oh, bombed that one. Uh, because I, I do I, I do speak whenever it is, I guess, infrequently, but enough that I put a lot of time and energy and effort into it. And I'm generally speaking to a receptive audience. It's not like I'm doing, you know, stand up on a Tuesday night uh, to a, you know, a, a, a room full of tourists have no idea who I am. So more often than not, once I get going on stage that first minute, if I can kind of remind myself to slow down and then I hit some of the jokes that I've built in, like the things that made me laugh when I wrote them out on a note uh -huh. card or whatever. Um, when I hit those jokes and the and I get the reaction I'm expecting, like it 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 does pump me up. And by the time the talk is over, I am energized and very quickly I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I like can do this again. public speaking, like no problem, no problem. Like this is I like this. This is this is good. I like the energy I'm feeling, and I do think that's true. Now it's just kind of finding that Venn diagram of like topics Steve enjoys talking about. And the other one would be like, uh, having it align with Steve's life and where he is with his life and his goals and his business and all of those things at the moment. So like, if, if those things start to overlap even more then I could see myself doing it on a, I could see it semi-regularly. Um, I say that now <laughs> until, yeah. until the next offer comes in and be like, Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it does seem like, your anxiety helps you to prepare because the only thing worse than being backstage with butterflies would be backstage with butterflies and you don't know if the speech is good and if the jokes are good and if any of it's good. What's the... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was going to say very quickly, like I, I owe you a lot on on that. I think you've probably helped me through at least one or two talks, um, you know, working with you. But 
that has been really helpful where we set the meeting a few weeks in advance or however yeah. many weeks in advance that, that you like to work. And just doing that, um, all of a sudden, like I have to do the work. Cause if I don't do that, I end up in a TEDx situation where I'm anxious when I think about the talk. So I stop thinking about the talk, but then if I don't think about it, I'm not working on it until it finally comes down to the point we were just talking about Tim Urban and his master procrastinator talk uh, at TED. Um, it gets down to it. We're like, I am out of time. Like I have to do this and I have to do this now. And I've, I've, I've removed any amount of margin for error here because I've, I've, I've delayed so long. So ha working with somebody else or sitting down with somebody from my team or even sitting down with uh, my, my wife and saying like, Hey, I'm going to work on this thing now. Um, it, it, it certainly then like, okay, once the ideas are flowing, then I'm thinking about it in the shower. I'm thinking about it when I'm on a walk and like new ideas will come to me, but I have to have that initial meeting weeks in advance so that I can give my anxiety a little bit of a break to say like, you can be anxious about the talk, but don't be anxious about the fact that you don't know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. You can be anxious about the talk, but not anxious about what you, I forget the end of that quote, but it was good. It was good. Thank you. I came up with that on the fly. <laughs> See, I'm good on the fly. It's when I have to prepare, then I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. So what is it? What's your process like? I mean, you mentioned you and I have worked together, but it's not like that happens every time. So what's your process like for figuring out what you want to say and how to make it interesting? Like Camp Nerd Fitness, no what's, your, what's your starting point yeah. for Camp Nerd Fitness? You've got four speeches in four days. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. So each day had a theme. And fortunately, like we themed it, we we kind of like we called them a set of nerd or TEDx talks. Each morning was a nerd X talk with Steve. <laughs> so Steve had to deliver like a 15 minute nerd X talk each morning. And like what the theme was for the day of, of camp. So like day one's theme was becoming a superhero. Day two's theme was uh using courage to try things differently. And day three's theme was like, what are the, uh, I think I called it the afterglow versus the everglow. And that's this idea of like, after an event, the afterglow would be like, man, that was awesome. I'm so hyped. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for a run today. And like the everglow, which would be like the, like would be, oh man, I'm so hyped from that event. I'm really excited. I'm gonna go sign up for a 5K six months from now mm. so that when the motivation wanes, I'm actually gonna do it. So anyway, so, we had these, I had these general topics for each day and it was a blank Google document with the title at the top of each, like this day is this topic or, you know, uh, when I spoke at that conference, I worked with you on who's the audience. Yeah. What is the message I'm trying to deliver? What's the topic I'm, I'm after? And then it's like putting down, just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like what are all of the thoughts I've ever had? about this topic hmm. and writing those things out kind of like just like taking half an hour and just like word vomiting onto a document and then trying to organize it into do i know any stories about these ideas um do i have any fun anecdotes about these things is there a visual representation that might go with this um so for, for camp i was on a stage at like a literal summer camp so i had no slides so it was literally me, like I didn't have a slide deck to pull from, or I didn't have notes that I could really look at. So it was almost like I was doing like, you know, practiced speeches five days in a row, which was, you know, super next level difficulty for me. That's a 20 minute talk, no notes. Yeah, I mean, I had like note card, I had like, 
let's say by by the time I got down to it, and we'll keep talking, but by the time I got down to it, I would have like a note card or two note cards in my pocket or in my hand. And I like I'm at summer camp. So like if I had notes in my hand, nobody, nobody cared. Right. Nobody would have cared if I literally read a script, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to be natural. Um, so it was like I had one or two word phrases for the 10 different things that I knew I wanted to talk about. And like I would practice each of those 10 things. So like if I saw the words, uh, actually, I, I, I don't have them around me right now, but I was like literally have my camp notes somewhere here <laughs> where it's like, oh, remember the phrase, um, you know, afterglow or everglow equals 5K. And it was like, okay, I know if I take a quick glance before I step on stage and I've run through this 10 times in my head, I know at some point I need to pull up the anecdote of, 10k or five you know if i mention afterglow equals 5k then it's like oh well you know after camp and you want to keep this momentum going a lot of great things don't just go for a run sign up for a 5k recruit a friend um i think i actually borrowed this from uh watching seinfeld uh jerry seinfeld in is it called the comedian oh comedian yeah this is uh this is one of the comedian yeah, this is one of the movies I recommend to people. Yeah, so like you see him backstage or sitting in his hotel room and he is literally just working. He's just saying out loud, he's like baseball, laundry. And he's got like one word for each of the things and he knows the story for each of them. So like he's not just on stage like looking at a list. He's got, he knows his anecdotes and he knows his stories and they all have a point or a twist. Um, he's told He's obviously told them so many times that uh, when he knows that one word, it's the cue for him to remember the rest of it. Uh, so I really adopted that where like I would, I'd have the notes on a screen. I would then transpose them onto a note card with each of the notes. And then like, if there was any specific joke or word, I like do not forget this. I also wrote that on the note card and would just look at it right before I went on stage. So it was like, that joke is too good. And it's making me laugh alone in my hotel room. So <laughs> if I don't tell that joke on stage, I'm going to be really angry. Um, so like I try to make sure I squeeze some of those in there too, uh, and just like make sure those are written down. And just the the fact of like going from a screen, uh, typing it on a screen versus handwriting it onto a note card, uh, just that act alone makes it more likely for me to remember it too. Yeah, the science behind that is if you do both of those things, and especially if you write it down, for whatever reason, it sticks in your brain. That's super interesting. Yeah. So, so like, I think when, when you and I worked together, it was, there was no cards and we kind of organized them in a certain fashion of like, okay, what order are these, are we going to tell this story or what is the sequence of events that we want to take the the user through and like their journey. So then like having them on no cards and individual cards, you can kind of rearrange them and see, see what works. Um, but I will say like the more I prepare, the less anxious I get because I know I, I know the material and I know the order of it. And then the anxiety is just like the, I just have nervous energy because I don't yeah. like being in front of, I don't like the spotlight. Um, but I love hearing that my message resonated with people. So that's where I try to, you know, shift that energy. That's so good. How has, how has speaking, let me use nerd fitness language. How has speaking helped level <laughs> up nerd fitness? Honestly, it, I think it's, well, as I, I, maybe I mentioned, I don't remember, uh, I'm in an interesting spot now where nerd fitness has kind of transformed a bit where to start, it was Steve and a blog and now it's 40 something people and, uh, you know, thousands of customers and the community is, is worldwide. So like I had to take a few years to really kind of focus on getting our 
companies act together and also recognizing that like my skill set is not being the head of a corporation. Like right. my skill set is like being the guy that comes up with the ideas and delivers them or writes them or comes up with a meme that shares it on Instagram. Like, I don't know what. Yeah. So figures out what figures out what issue of Batman this could pertain to like things like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not only, not only that, but like how this, this idea that I've been ruminating on, how do I make it approachable to people on the different mediums that they want to absorb it in and understanding now that like, not everybody reads a book or not everybody, you know, I've actually been creating more stuff on Instagram. And like, initially I'm like, well, that doesn't seem very long tail and that's not deep work. You know, what would Cal Newport say about me being on Instagram? But it's like, no, like Instagram, I, I, I think of this kind of like, uh, to go back to stand-up comedy, I love stand-up comedy. But like, I post something on Twitter and that is like my Tuesday night set at the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Cellar. And if it does well there, then I introduce it into my act, which could be Instagram. And I come up with like a funny meme or a graph around it. And it's like, I put more thought into it. And if it does well there, then it might end up in an email. It might end up as a chapter in a future book. It might become a YouTube video. And that's like the comedy special. So like <laughs> I'm thinking of each platform, although they're uh, ephemeral, they're like, you know, Instagram is here today, gone tomorrow. I have to create stuff and creating things gives me an opportunity to test out new ideas. So when I, at Camp Nerd Fitness, I'm on stage five days in a row, it was like a culmination of all the material that I had been working on for the past year that had been percolating on Instagram and in Twitter. I can, and like, I know which parts of it landed and which things I had to hone and carefully craft. So now that they're carefully crafted, I could film a video about them. I could write a book chapter about those things. I can like dictate the philosophy of nerd fitness. Like I'm better suited to deliver that message succinctly because I had to deliver it in a quick speech on stage in front of hundreds of people. Um, so like these ideas have been moving through each platform, but each platform has kind of refined it even further until it gets me mm. on stage. And when I'm on stage, it's been so refined that it can then apply to like the greater philosophy of, you know, a leveled up life would be what, you know, I'm trying to help people figure out at Nerd Fitness. Yeah, it's so good because what's really happening is by the time it hits stage, you already know that it's good. I mean, that's what that's what's really happening is you're refining, you're refining, you're refining. Yes. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, I'm not, it's not, it hasn't only been created in a, um, you know, which is so interesting, I, this, uh, not to derail us, but that's what I think is so fascinating. And maybe there's some more behind the scenes work where he showed it to other people, but I don't know if you've see Bo, seen Bo Burnham's inside, but like some of the most brilliant, interesting, deep, introspective thoughts around the pandemic and like it was him in a studio recording videos and then putting out a special on Netflix. And it was so well received that like, I think he is very unique in that aspect. Most of his previous specials was him on stage, honing his craft over many, many sets and improving the jokes until he finally records the special. This was him for a year and a half alone with his thoughts and a camera in a studio during the pandemic, isolated trying to come up with material and then be like, does this work? Does it not? I don't know. He had to put it out to Netflix and like the most universally praised thing I've seen, you know, like uh, Twitter liked it and the New York times editorial board <laughs> liked it. Like it was praised across both fronts. It won three Emmys. I think should have won the fourth. That's completely beside the point to your back to bring this back. You're right. Uh, my ideas are 
by the time they're on stage, that's not the first time I've thought them up. They've bounced off of other team members. They've been through Instagram in a meme format. They've been on Twitter. I've thought about them for, for months. And, um, so even if I'm delivering a new talk, uh, that new talk is, is full of things that I feel very confident in and feel like I have a pretty darn good chance of making the jokes land. Yeah. It's like, there's a, there are all these different notebooks in your brain that are just being tapped into and maybe refined to be better because you've run through it so many yes. times. Yeah. All right, Steve, one more question and then we'll, we'll transition to our ending questions. So you've, you've shown a lot of growth as a speaker, both in terms of your preparation and obviously at some point figuring out what makes for a good speech and how to figure out if your material is good. And I also feel like attitude wise, you've shown some growth. What is, I mean, what are, what are your next steps as a speaker? You're never going to be a guy who wants to go on a speaking tour. I don't think, but what, what are your next steps as a speaker? <laughs> next steps I think is, so there, there's two avenues, I think. Uh, and, and one, maybe we're, We'll go back to I'll go back to Seinfeld in a second, but I think there's a different there. There's like two different tracks that I could go down, and I'm much more interested in in the second track and not the first one. The first track is like Steve gets invited to speak at talks about uh, how to build an online business, how to build a community, branding. Um, I get invited to do those talks. And I have done those talks and I dedicate weeks of my life to those talks, but they don't necessarily align with what Steve Cam wants for the future. Like I enjoy sharing the message of nerd fitness, but I don't, you know, I, that doesn't necessarily align with what I'm trying to do versus Steve, we want you to come talk like at camp. We want you to help people think differently about life or share an idea that you've had. And that might mean I have way fewer opportunities to speak, or I speak at much smaller things, or I go on podcasts and talk about, you know, smaller podcasts or different podcasts, but it gives me an opportunity to hone my craft around improving the way that I think about ideas and the way that I share those ideas. So I've done enough of the, I want to talk at a conference about how nerd fitness works and like pulls me away from the work that I truly enjoy doing. And this other avenue is now actually aligned with nerd fitness. And that would be like finding ways to share the message of nerd fitness and how I help people level up and how they think about life or how I can help them think about life differently. And that's way more interesting to me. And I think more aligned with where I want to be a few years from now. And I think the work that I could do on stage would help me get better at the work I'm doing with writing, with um, you know, creating whatever that next project may be. What's one of your favorite nerd fitness success stories? Stacy. Stacy's gotta be like the the top. So Stacy read the nerd fitness message boards. I think Stacy used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day um, and Googled like Legend of Zelda workout or something and stumbled <laughs> across an article I had written about the Legend of Zelda. And that was her favorite video game series. 
So she had been running herself ragged, uh, had a, a an eating disorder, and could barely pick pick up like a pink a pink you know three pound dumbbell. And she finds the nerd fitness community. She starts reading about what we do and how we do it, and decides that she wants to get strong, and is like works up the courage thanks to the community and nerd fitness works up the courage to finally like walk into a gym and pick up a barbell. She had no idea what a barbell was. She didn't know. She just like knew she wanted to get strong. So eventually she picks up a barbell and starts changing her nutrition. Eventually she quits smoking and fall. She falls in love with powerlifting and Stacy gets really strong. So I think at a body weight of 135 pounds, Stacy deadlifted 450 pounds um like one of the strongest people i like pound for pound one of the strongest people i know and she has since then like stacy was then like became a moderator on our message boards and then like head moderator and then like started helping with some some things on the sides at nerd fitness and now stacy is like one of our master coaches at nerd fitness and has been part of nerd fitness since 2000 since 2012 I think Stacy had just joined the team full time when I was in Ecuador and was probably like keeping the lights on at Nerd Fitness while I was on an airplane flying to Atlanta <laughs> to do my talk at TEDx in uh yeah at Emory. Oh man, look, it all came full circle. I love it. All right, Steve, we always finish with two last questions. Actually, I forgot to ask you one at the top. Steve, uh every guest this season Yours truly will donate $50 to the charity of their choice. So I forgot to ask you this at the top. What charity are we speaking for? Yeah. Uh, I was saying I was, I was, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn between two. So I might, I might make you do extra work and split it. Um, but I'm a big fan of, uh, I found or discovered it through David Epstein, who the phenomenal author wrote range and the sports gene used to write at sports illustrated. Um, he used to write at ProPublica. Uh, which is a, a nonprofit uh, newsroom that does investigative journalism. So I love that, ProPublica, and then uh, an organization called Wags and Walks here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it is a animal rescue that um, is where we adopted our second dog, Olive, from. And our next door neighbors are volunteers at this organization. And uh, they just do a phenomenal job saving and uh, providing um, fostering and then providing homes to uh, dogs and cats and animals in need. So Wags and Walks in Nashville and ProPublica. Love it. Yes, I can, I can manage two websites with a split donation. Yes. All right, Steve, the last two questions. The first one is a speaking tip from Steve. So as a reminder, this is meant to be something that your public speaking one-on-one might not tell you. So it's not meant to be like, hey, make sure you make eye contact. But but something that uh, in your experience is helpful. What's a speaking tip from Steve? Yeah. Well, can I like I want to steal yours that you gave me. Okay, sure. <laughs> but that's what cheating, that? I think. I, I think it was like it was like a post-it note or something like I would put on the on the podium or like tell myself before and it was like I forgot about this. It's all for fun or like it, I'm or, Let's have some fun. I'm glad yeah. you're here. I think it's, it was something like that. Let's, I'm glad you're was, here. Let's have fun. Yeah. Yes, that's the yeah. one. Um, I, I, I really took that to heart and I actually adopted it for Camp Nerd Fitness. And it, like at camp, we now tell everybody, like, look, the weather's going to be all over the place. Um, you might show up to a class and it might be full. 
So we say it's all for fun and it's going to be okay. And we now have like like mugs with that what? saying on it. So like at camp, it's like, hey, you know what? Weather's going to be like, things are going to go wrong at camp, but it's all for fun and it's going to be okay. And like everybody laughs and it's like, yeah, like that's the attitude we're bringing to camp. We're like, hey, let's not get hyper competitive. Let's not get crazy scared. So that is completely unrelated to a speaking tip, um, but it is all for fun. It is going to be okay. And if I had to think of the speaking tip, I would go back to the one that I said earlier. I, I wish I could remember, but it was like, I'm. it's okay to be anxious because you're afraid of speaking, but like, it's not okay to be anxious because you don't know your material yeah. or something like, like, it was something like that. Like anxiety is going to come. And the more you deliver your speeches, like the, I think the anxiety will lessen, especially if you get to deliver the same talk over and over again. I've been, I don't think I've ever given the same talk twice, Mike. That's probably my problem. That is, I have to come up with helping. a new talk. I have to give a new talk every single time I step on stage. Um, but I think like accepting like the anxiety needs to be around the 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 fact that you know you're anxious about getting a stage, not because you don't know what you're about to talk about. Yeah, like, that has really to be you have to take care of that ahead of time. So the speech would be like not write it down ahead of time. Like a lot of people work well in the moment, even still like do your, do your homework. The sooner you can get things on paper, like, and this is coming from somebody who procrastinates more than anybody, maybe not more than Tim Urban, but certainly up there as far as procrastination. Um, I, I give myself permission to not do that for speeches because it just makes my life so much easier. Love it. All right, last thing, a Steve Cam story. So Steve has lived a legendary life. You can find out more about, what is it, the epic, what do you call it, the epic quest? What's your? <laughs> epic quest of awesome. Yeah. Epic quest of awesome. That's on nerdfitness.com blog somewhere. Uh, so Steve, this can this can be about anything. What's a, what's a good, and it doesn't have to be a story you've told from stage. What is a good Steve Cam story? Yeah, I'll go with the story that I love to tell. And that's, I, I lived like James Bond in uh, for a weekend and uh made money <laughs> on the on the process so i was living out of a backpack in 2011 and I had grown up watching james bond you know like my formative years took place during goldeneye and playing goldeneye on the nintendo 64 so i was like someday i want to become james bond and it was like, well, what does that mean? Like probably not the international espionage and and murder thing like probably not that but I could do all the other cool stuff that James Bond does. And for me, it was like, I need to be gambling in an exotic location. I need to be dressed to the nines and I need to pretend like I belong. So for me, that was Monaco and the famous Monte Carlo casino. And I needed to be in a tuxedo. Um, again, I'm living out of a backpack. I have minimal funds at the time. So I kind of had to like reverse engineer it. It's like, okay, I have... 30,000 Marriott points. If I buy 10,000 more for like, you know, 50 bucks, I can stay at the Fairmont Monte Carlo, which is on stilts overlooking the Mediterranean. Like, wow. Okay. Uh, I need a tuxedo. Um, I'm living out of a backpack. I don't travel with the tuxedo. Uh, but let's see what I can find. So I'm in a hostel in Nice, France, which is like the town next to Monaco. And there's a somebody staying in the hostel I was staying in, happened to speak French. And we Googled like tuxedo rental and we found some place on a map. And, and I went to, it was like this back alleyway and I walked in and it was like a costume, it was like a costume shop or like almost like a Spencer gifts type, like weird, like 
with like giant furry animal costumes. I'm like, oh god, what? Uh, what did we walk into? And and the woman who I was with uh, spoke French, so she was like, uh, you know, do you rent tuxedos? And the guy's like, ah, oh, yes, right this way. And went in the back room, and sure enough, they had like a wall of like rentable tuxedos. So for like 150 bucks, I could rent a tux for the weekend. So I was like, okay, the hotel is free. I can take a 20 minute train ride to Monaco, 150 bucks for the tuxedo. And I had been saving like 50 bucks a month into like a gambler account. So I had like 500 bucks that I could bring to the Monte Carlo. So I like with my backpack walking into the Fairmont Monte Carlo and a tuxedo over my shoulder and like check into my hotel room. I'm like giggling, like laughing to myself. Like I don't belong here and this is ridiculous. Uh, and then I put on my tux and I walk up the hill and I walk in and sit down at a blackjack table. And I, I played enough blackjack, but like the minimum was like 25 or 30 euro a hand, which is like decent money at the time. That was like 50 bucks. I'm like, geez, $50 a hand blackjack. Well, this might not last, but like, you know, I, I set the money aside. I prepared for it. I planned for it. And uh, I ended up like, I think I doubled my money. So like by the end of the weekend, it was like, didn't pay for the hotel. Got, I think I got, you know, some free drinks, um, doubled my money at the blackjack table and, uh, and then got to like, took the train home back to the, the, uh, the tuxedo costume shop and returned it. I met some people at the blackjack table and like, we stayed out like at some like Monte Carlo or Monaco nightclub until like four in the morning. I was like, this is ridiculous. Uh, what a night. And, um, got a chance to like check that big item off my bucket list of like, take a childhood inspiration, find a way to reverse engineer it cheaply, but have a fun doing it. And then, uh, get it, have a chance to like make that memory and to do it in a way that like also didn't, you know, destroy or empty my bank account. Uh, was was pretty fun. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's so, <laughs> so good. Uh Steve, where can people find out more about you, Nerd Fitness, whatever else you want to plug? Yeah. Uh I'm on Twitter at Steve Cam, Instagram at Steve Cam. Um and then just go to nerdfitness.com if you're looking for you know health and wellness information around being nerdy and staying true to who you are, but also like science-backed health information and, and workouts and, and all that good stuff. So stay nerdy, but uh, it's also okay to become a superhero too. <laughs> Much love, my friend. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me, dude. Always a pleasure. I miss your face and I'm glad we got a chance to do this. <laughs> Thanks. Man, isn't Steve great? I love that guy. Uh, he's funny. He's driven. He's a mile a minute. And also sometimes he just slows down and watches comic book movies all the <laughs> Thank you to Steve for coming on. Steve, again, you can find him at nerdfitness.com. Nerdfitness on Instagram. Steve Cam on Instagram. And that's Cam, K-A-M-B. The Best Beach Podcast has featured myself. I'm Mike Pacquione. I'm your host. It has been edited and produced by Alicia Otieno. And the music, this little outro music that you're hearing, that's by Jonah Ramey. Until next time, do good things out there, my friends.